Good morning. We just finished the book of Acts, and so what I wanted to do before we get into Romans on Sunday mornings, we, we started Romans Thursday nights uh, going more in-depth, but Sunday morning, next week, we will be in the book of Romans. But before we jumped into that book, I wanted to kind of revisit some of the things that we want to be about as a community, as a body of believers, as Genesis. I wanted you to know what our vision is, what our desire is, and how we want to move forward. Um, on your bulletin there, you'll notice it says, embolden one another to begin changing the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. That's kind of our statement, and we're going to go through exactly what that means and how we want to put flesh and bone on that as we move forward. And so I hope to answer some questions and maybe even provoke some questions within you as to why we are here. Why do we do this? What are we about? What are we trying to be about? I don't want this to be something that becomes routine. I hope that this is something in a place where we want to be because of the presence of God at work here, because we get encouraged, because we get directed, because we have an encounter with God through his word, through one another. In some way, our lives are provoked. And so I hope that this is that kind of place so that we want to be here. I have been in places, and I know you have too, at places where it's like, oh, Sunday again? Oh, I guess I have to go to church, kind of an attitude. And maybe it's us in the wrong attitude, and we have this laborious, I've got to go. And we get there, and it's not something that we enjoy, perhaps. I know when I was younger, I, I didn't really have a, a that kind of an experience that I could connect or relate to. Well, I don't want that to be the case here. And so I want to look at what we're about and so that this can be meaningful to all of us. One of the things I wanted to talk about is what's called ethos. Now, you've probably seen the water bottles at Starbucks that cost like two bucks or something like that, but that's not what this is about. The word ethos is a Greek word, and it's the fundamental character or spirit of a culture, the underlying sentiment that informs the beliefs, customs, or practices of a group or society. Let me give you an example of ethos and how society affects how we think. When I was younger, if I saw some kids in the back of a pickup truck and their dad let them ride in the back of the pickup truck with lawn chairs, you know, and I thought that dad was cool because, man, he lets his kids ride in the back of the pickup truck. And most people, most kids, wish they were in that situation. I can remember going to the beach in the back of a pickup truck. Anyone have those kinds of memories? Man, it was great. If you were to see some kids sitting in the back of a pickup truck today on lawn chairs, you'd be calling Child Protection Services. What? They don't have seatbelts on, no car seats, no... It would be considered dangerous. You see, back then, a dad who let you ride, ride in the back was cool. Today, he's neglectful. It's the same situation, but society has changed the way you see that situation. Because how we think now, I just heard on the radio yesterday that they're trying to stop the military, the soldiers, from smoking cigarettes. And I thought, wow, at one time that was considered, hey, give the guy some cigarettes. And now it's considered, you know, we don't want them to smoke. We can send them into a place where they're shooting bullets at them, but don't let them smoke. That's dangerous, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't quite get it. Or, you know, if you were in Germany, David Hasselhoff would be a big star. <laughs> but here, he's David Hasselhoff. <laughs> and so 
where you're at and how you see things affects how you project that image and that situation. And we are supposed to develop and have a community within ourselves. Let me give you another example. Let me ask you this question. How many churches are in the Inland Empire? Is it, it's cut off on the top there, is it 98? Or 987, that's supposed to be. 1,084, 2,635. What do you think? Okay. Well, the answer is one. Okay. Now, that's another example of how our culture has changed the way we think about church. We think of church as a place you go instead of who you are. We said at the beginning when we started meeting at Bible studies, we, we don't want to start a church. We are the church. And so we are not starting a church and we're not trying to have church. We're trying to recognize that we are the church. And you see, that's a very important difference because trying to have an ethos, a, a culture amongst ourselves that shapes how we see the world and how we do things is what this is about. It's not about getting together and going to a place and having, you know, coffee and cookies, although nothing wrong with coffee or cookies. The whole point is we gather together to shape one another. We gather together to have an effect on how we see and how we act in our society. That is what the church is. And we have to get out of this mindset that this is something that we go to. This is a place where we meet and get back to the understanding that this is what we are involved in, that we are committed to this. It's like the farmer one time who wanted to help some people out and he got some of his animals together and he asked them, he asked the chickens and the pigs, you guys, what can we do to help these people out? True story. Um, <laughs> and the chicken said, you know, I think we should, you know, serve breakfast every day to these people who are in need. I think we should serve bacon and eggs to all of them. And the pig said, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. Yeah, see, you're, you're involved with this, but I have to be committed. And we have to recognize that this is not a place where we just go and are involved, that we are a part of it. We are a part of the church. And if we don't understand that, then we become spectators instead of participants. And that's what we don't want to become. When I first put this phrase, embolden one another to begin changing the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ, I remember reading some books and talking to some people, and they were saying, well, if you're going to start meeting, gathering together, what are you about? Do you have like a, a mission statement? What is going to be your goal? And, and I started thinking, well, I know what I want, but how do I verbalize it? How do I put it in words? And again, I was reading a lot of things, and I was trying to, okay, how can I present this? And I was finishing a lesson a dog training lesson out in the valley somewhere, Sherman Oaks or Van Nuys, I don't remember, but I remember stuck on the 101, I think it was, coming back this way. And as I was driving back, all of a sudden, this sentence came to my mind, embolden one another by, and begin changing the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. And it struck me, and I thought it might be from God, because I don't think I've ever used the word embolden. You know, it's like, whoa, what's, what, where did that come from? And embolden basically means to, to give boldness, to give courage to. And turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 
you know, I don't want to say that God gave me the sentence, but again, it was interesting that I didn't know where that word came from in my mind. I, I never like saying God told me this or God gave me this because I've had people tell me that before, you know. I've had people come up to me and say, yeah, God gave me this song, you know, and they start playing it for me, and I'm like, I guess he wanted to get rid of it, you know. <laughs> I, <don't> know. <laughs> I thought God was a God of love. Why would he give you something like that? Uh, and people can say things like that very flippantly, you know. God gave me this, and it's real easy, and I just want to be careful but I believe it, it accurately represents what we are about. And in Hebrews chapter 10, starting at verse 23, and if you need a Bible, raise your hand and, and we'll get you one because we'll be going through this some more scriptures later. But Hebrews 10, starting again at verse 23, it reads, let me find it here. Okay, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Notice in just these few verses how many times you see the word us we one another. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Verse 24, it says, and let us consider how we may spur one another towards good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together. The whole idea here is the community. Let us, we need to do this. Let's, let's not forget this. Who's he talking to? He's talking to that body of believers that is there at the church, most likely in Jerusalem. He's talking to us. Let us not forget these things. Let us think of how we can spur one another on to, to good works, to good deeds. Let us help one another. You see, what we need is not a good sermon. What we need is one another and the help and provoking each other towards these things. The sermon gives us insight and instruction, but we give each other support. We give each other strength. Paul said in Corinthians that we are a body of Christ. The body has many members, but it's one body. And so what... What's our purpose? What's our part? What's our function in this body? How are we supposed to be contributing? Remember, we don't go to church. We are the church. And we want to make sure that we don't neglect our responsibility. And I'm not saying this to put pressure on you and make you sign up for the children's ministry, although if you want to, you're welcome. I'm saying this so that you will fulfill what God has called you to do as part of the church. In 1 Corinthians 14, 26, it says, What then shall we say, brothers? When you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. Of what? Of the church, what's that? Of us. Now notice it says when all of you come together, you're to have a song, you're to have a word. That means one of these days you're going to come up, I got a song, Danny, hang on, push him over. You're supposed to have something to give, something to contribute. It's not just a few people putting on a show. You come here with something to give. And you see, if you're not coming expecting to give, if you're coming just expecting to get, then someone is missing out on what you have because God has got something for each of us. He has given us each something to give. Maybe you've 
had a rough week. You've been going through a lot of difficulties. You've been sick. Your kids are giving you headaches. Whatever's going on, and God has spoken to you and encouraged you in that week. And all of a sudden, you've gotten, man, I just feel encouraged. I, God spoke to me. Here's a scripture that I had. Well, you know, someone there in that place needs to hear that. What you went through and suffered through and struggled through that week, someone else is probably going through the same thing. And what you have heard from God needs to be given to someone else. You know, you had problems cleaning the house, vacuum cleaner broke. I don't have that problem. <laughs> My wife cleans the house. <laughs> that wasn't good. Uh, anyway... You have something to give. I don't have that. I might not have that same connection that you do. Last week, we, we had people raise your hands. How many single moms are here? How many people in certain things? You raise your hand. There's people here in the same situation that you are. Are you coming able to minister to them? Do you even know who they are? Because we are here for one another. And so just like he says here, when you get together... Everyone's to have a song, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or interpretation. It's to be done to strengthen one another. It's not to be done to show off, not to brag. It's to strengthen one another. That's what it is, to embolden one another. We want to bring each other courage, strength, boldness. And we need one another for that. We need to have that time together to make that accomplish. The next thing it says, we're, we're to embolden one another to, to begin changing the world. Now, when you hear the idea of change the world, it's like, well, that's not our job. You know, the idea of changing the world is something that kind of strikes as being a little bit presumptuous or maybe arrogant. But Jesus told us in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We should know this scripture because it was up on the projector for the last few months. We were to receive power so that we could take this message to the ends of the world. It was to produce change. If we are inactive, then the change will not take place. It's been said for evil to prosper, all it takes for evil to prosper is for good men to do nothing. And evil will do the course. It's amazing how people who have evil intent have no hesitancy to push their agendas forward. Hitler, Stalin, Pol Pot. Mass evil. They didn't think, I wonder if I should. Should I go and try and conquer that nation? They didn't hesitate. They moved forward with an agenda that was catastrophic. What about us? Jesus told Peter and Matthew that the gates of hell would not prevail against his church. There's that word again, his church, against us. There's this battle, and we are to press forward. We are to prevail. And, and think about the people who have made a difference. People who have impacted the community or the world in good ways. Both believers and even non-believers. I mean, Amy Carmichael going into India, this lone woman starting an orphanage and ministering to those young girls, starting a hospital. Jim Elliott going into Ecuador, taking that good news and changing the nation around him. Having a, an impact on the community. You see, we are here not to just feel good. We are here to change the world. We are here and we have an agenda. We are here to push this good news forward. 
And if we're lax and we're just like comfortable and kicking our legs because my feet don't quite touch the ground, you know, we're, we're just relaxing and taking it easy, then we're not fulfilling what we've been called to do. We've been called to change the world. You say, well, that's too big. I, I can't change the world. It starts with where you're at. Remember when we were going through Acts that Paul also, it says, we have found this man, Paul, to be a troublemaker, stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He is a ringleader of the Nazarene sect. I want to be a ringleader of this Christian sect. I want to stir up the pot. I want to challenge people with this message. I don't want to just come to a building. We're to take the message to the world. We contain it. The message is in us. We are the body of Christ. We are the church. And if we don't take this message forward, then we're not fulfilling what we're supposed to do. And we need each other to encourage each other so that we can move forward. You guys know what it's like to have someone there with you. Ladies, if you go shopping, you want to have someone else with you to tell you that looks good or, you know, makes your hips look big or something, you know, whatever, you know. I'm, I'm not, I'm better stop, huh? <laughs> you want someone there to support you, to, to help you along with those things. And we do that. Have you ever seen a group of kids you know, maybe they're in high school, junior high school, they're walking down the street together. And the way they walk, it's kind of funny. You know, they're all walking. Yeah. Yeah, cars going by. Hey, hey. You know, they're all looking at each other. <laughs> and then you go back again, and there's one kid all by himself. And he's like this. Why? He's not with this group. I don't have the support of my friends. I don't have those people where I can get that built up from. And so I feel alone. I feel powerless. Well, we need one another to provoke each other, to move forward so that we can change the world. And so when we gather here today, it's kind of like, okay, guys, let's focus on what God wants us to do. It's a pep rally of sorts where we learn, we, we understand what God wants, and then we encourage each other to go out and do it. We help each other along because we're on a mission. We are the church. And so we embolden us, we embolden one another to this fact that we can change the world. Paul didn't think, oh, that's too big for me. I just can't do that. We talked as we were going through the book of Acts that the smallest denomination, it seems, that the Lord gave them were cities. He didn't say, go to the family. He said, go to the city. And Paul said, I want to go to Rome. That's the epicenter of the world. To the church of Galatia. That's a whole city. It seems like the smallest denominator God starts with is a city. God wants to conquer cities. He wants to conquer the city of Upland. How is he going to do that? Through his church. Who's this church? Oh, we know that, right? That's us. Well, how, how can I do that? Well, you need someone alongside of you to encourage you to do the things that you need to do to, you know what, man, you're really good at this. When you share that, it, it's really clear. And a lot of times we think, well, we have to be a preacher. Wherever you're at, you are an example. You can be a box boy at a grocery store. You can be a mechanic. You can be a salesman. doesn't matter. You're an example. And you have influence where you're at just by how you conduct yourself. When I used to sell lumber, I was in competition with other salesmen. And I'd go into a business of furniture manufacturer, and I would try and sell the wood. And they would say, well, your competitor here is selling the wood for this much. And I'd be thinking, man, that's impossible. I mean, we have the same suppliers. They can't be selling the wood for that much. 
And what would happen many times is they would, what they call, bump the tally. So instead of there being, you know, a thousand board feet in that unit of lumber, there would actually only be, you know, 800. And so they ripped them off of 200 feet and sold it for cheaper and made themselves look good. Yeah, we sell it for, you know, $1.35 and I'm selling it for $1.65. Well, what's going on? Well, you know, it's real easy to, to give in to that and say, well, I'm going to bump my tallies too. That way I can compete. I, I need to compete. But that's illegal, first of all, and, and it's lying and it's not a good representation. And so I, I find myself in this situation. How do I, I deal with this? How do I accomplish this? And then I said, do you know how to tally your lumber? Well, what do you mean? Well, to measure it, to make sure that it's all there. And I don't know how many people I taught how to tally lumber. It was for my benefit, because then they could say, hey, these guys are ripping me off. And then I'm not. And I developed a relationship with these people just by educating them so that they could do business better, more efficiently. I remember one time I went to this place, he was down in Brea, and he used to make uh, frames for furniture. His name was, uh, oh gosh, anyway, you don't need to know his name, um, but I'm trying to remember, it's been a while now. I think it was Gustavo, but anyway, he would make frames, and one time I was in there and I was, I'd sell him lumber and we were talking afterwards and he had a little guitar and I said, oh, do you play guitar? And he said, yeah, he played guitar. And he was picked up his guitar and he played guitar a little bit and I started playing. You know, I said, well, I play guitar too. And he spoke predominantly Spanish. He spoke enough English to be able to communicate. But I knew one song in Spanish and it was a Christian song. And I'd, you know, I forget why I learned it because I played somewhere and needed to sing in Spanish. But I learned the song and so I started playing the song and I sang the song to this guy and the guy started crying. He started crying. It was that song, Your Holiness Surrounds Me. And he's just like, that was so beautiful. And then all of a sudden put the guitar down and we had a conversation and we talked about faith. I'm a lumber salesman. But wherever I'm at, I bring this message of Jesus Christ. And I knew at that point it's not the time to sell lumber. I wasn't going to say, well... Now, would you like to buy some lumber? I put that aside because something more important had come up. They're in a frame shop out in Brea, playing a guitar, talking to someone, presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wherever you are at, you are an example. You carry with you the message of hope. It will change lives, and it will change the world. That's what we are here for, to understand that place and where we're at. Lastly, we want to look at representing Jesus Christ. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. When you think of representing Jesus Christ, oh my gosh, how do you do that? Start with me. I said verse 13. Let's start back at verse 7. We'll read all the way through 17. 1 John 4, starting at verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because 
He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in Him and He in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in Him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him it's interesting of all the things that point to god think of creation you think of the mountains you think of the beach I mean, now that summer's here, how many of you have been going to the beach going, yeah, the beach is here, soak up the rays, enjoy the water, and you see creation and you think, this is marvelous, this is wonderful, but all the things that we see do not give us as clear a vision of who God is as love does. And love requires relationship. Love requires one another. And God is love, and when we love, we represent God, and that is our job because as he is, that's how we are to be in this world. We live in him, and he in us. We represent him. How do we clearly represent God? By loving one another, by caring for each other. We represent God most clearly when we do this when we show love towards one another. Jesus told his disciples, this is how all men will know that you are my followers if you love one another. So if we are going to represent Jesus Christ, we need to love one another. Now, that isn't always easy, depending on the other person. Sometimes loving people can be a difficult thing. But that's what we are called to do. To put aside the things that would instigate us towards anger and contention. To let them go so that we don't misrepresent God. Because while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. When we were enemies against him, he still cared for us giving us an example of how we are to live. And you see, if we love each other and if we love the people around us, we are a magnet. And we show who God is. To effectively represent Jesus Christ, you need to love. Practically, how do you love someone? How do you love your neighbor? family, co-workers, friends. You have to invest in them. You have to care about them. Just like in that situation where I was selling the wood, I had to care more about him than the sale at that point. If I really loved him, then I didn't care about the commission I was going to make, something more important was here, and I cared about what was being represented there. Every now and then, you have to care more about that than your own well-being. You have to want what's best for them. That's love. And when you do that, it makes a difference. You know, it was a testimony to God when I left sales and I left the lumber company and went to go into ministry, I, I told my clients, and some of them I had gotten very close to talking to relationship-wise, being able to communicate with them, being open with them, sharing things of life with them, talking about their children, saying, I'll pray for your kids. You know what that means to someone who's got a teenager and they're going through it with them? And you ask him, how's it going? I go, oh, man, my, my, my son, you know, came home drunk. He crashed the car. You know, these things. I'm like, oh. And you start talking about these things. And you say, hey, is, uh, what's your son's name? And you write it in my little book. And I say, well, I'm going to pray for him. 
And you see their countenance change because now you really care, don't you? I had one client who almost started weeping when I told him I was going to leave. Made me cry. Like, oh, don't do that. Because we had developed a good friendship. And I wasn't just the salesman. And he used to give me a hard time, too. He used to hammer me for the prices. Oh, no, I could get it from this company cheaper. Oh, no. And when I told him I was going to be leaving, his eyes welled up with tears. And he says, I can trust you. And he started asking me questions. And after that, I actually bought some furniture from him for our house and our, our kids and stuff. And he gave me incredible deals. It was great. See, love does have its advantages. <laughs> it says in Acts 4.13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, I love that part, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. What needs to happen is people need to see that we are with Jesus. Beautiful story. The apartment that we worked on where Colleen and Linda and Ricky are living. Working with the landlord, Gulshan, he uh, really just butted us the whole way. We'd want, well, can you pay for this? And, no, 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 I'm not going to pay for that. I don't need to pay for that. It's like, we're doing the labor, man. Come on, just spring for this, and it'll be a benefit to your property. You know? And he's like, no, no, I don't want to do that. And we had to just push for everything, try to get things done. And finally, we got the place done, and as we were working there, he was really taken back by all the work that we did. And I heard from Linda that she has a cousin, I believe it is, that's moving in into that same apartment complex. And Gulshan fixed the place up, and he told her, I didn't used to be a good landlord, but then those Christians came here, and I saw that I needed to change. Effectively representing Jesus Christ. They see Jesus, and they see the lack in their life, and they need to change. And what that is is now an open door to speak into this man's life because of our example of representing Jesus Christ. Many of you were a part of that complex, fixing it up, painting, doing electrical, cleaning, You are a part of that testimony. You are a part of that work. And so where do we go from here? What, what do we as Genesis do? Well, we want to provide more opportunities for us uh, as a body to be able to meet the needs of those people and represent Jesus, to be able to encourage each other in these ways, to stimulate each other towards good deeds to make a difference in our community, to change our world. That's why we're involved with Mexico. Again, I encourage you to sign up to go to Vizcaino. It was so great to make a difference in those people's lives. They're so thankful. We also want to start developing a way to meet the needs. Colleen and some others are helping out with some homeless people. We have some areas in our own city where we're in touch with, where there's needs that we're aware of. And, and maybe you can't physically go down there, but what we're going to try and establish is a board where we have the needs. Okay, we need, you know, 10 pairs of socks. Okay, I'll, I'll take that one and I'll fulfill that need and go buy those pairs of socks. We're not going to just have bring your old clothes here because then... You know, what are we going to do with your old clothes? You know, we're going to get your old Michael Jackson T-shirts or something. Well, probably not anymore. They're collector's items. But what we don't want to do is just have, oh, here's my junk. We want to have a need, and you meet the need. Well, we have a need for food in this area. Okay, bring these things. And because we don't have a building or facility, we're not going to store things. We're just going to do it on a week-to-week -week basis. You go to the board... Pick out what you're going to fulfill next week, bring it back. 
and we'll start meeting the needs of the community. And some of you want to or are able to take those things and help out. Well, then you can be the transportation to those things. Some of you might just be able to get the stuff. I can buy it and bring it. Fine. Do what you can. And together, as a body, we'll start meeting the needs of those things in our community so that we have an impact just like we did with Gulshan, just like we're going to do with that barbecue. Hey, I can cook. I want to be there and help out in that way. Great. Doesn't mean you have to give a dissertation on the end times. You know, okay, my eschatology is not very good, but here it goes. You don't have to worry about that. You just have to be a part of the work that's taking place. And then you are the example. And we want to do these kinds of things so that we don't just come here and meet. But we affect those around us, affect the community around us. We are in this building until September. We're going to see what happens after September. We do have the school available again to us, the Pioneer Junior High School. We're open to looking into properties to maybe meet at different properties. But you know what? I, I just want you guys to know my, my goal isn't to get a building. Because you are the building. Who cares if we have a wall around us, if, if we are the body of Christ impacting the community? What do we need a building for? We can meet in the park. We're meeting at houses. I don't want to build up a building. God doesn't want to save buildings. He wants to save people. I'm not opposed to have buildings. I don't think buildings are evil. Glad we have one with air conditioning. Amen. But the goal isn't to get a building. The goal is to build up the body, to be the church. And as I shared at the very beginning when we started, you know, wouldn't it be great if we have a group that meets here in Upland and then how many of you come from Fontana area, Rancho Cucamana, Fontana? You know, that's enough to start a Bible study right there. What if there's 80 people from that area? Why don't we have a, a, a meeting out that way too? That way you guys don't have to drive so far. We've got a Bible study down on Randy Street. We have another one at my house. I talked to Ted last night. He, maybe he's going to have a study at some point. Maybe some of you want to facilitate and have a Bible study. Just another opportunity to get together and be the church, to minister to one another. Because that's what we are. I'm not here to establish a ministry, the Sam Scotty ministry. Have my logo. <laughs> Don't laugh so loud. <laughs> And that's why I have Arnie teaching and Danny teaching because we need to raise up people that, that can continue and do work and, and learn and grow in their gifts to be able to minister in different ways because we are the church. And I think it would be great to have five gatherings all over the place. And who cares? Well, we don't have a thousand people. We only have a few hundred at each one. If there are a few hundred people that are connecting, that are emboldening one another, I don't know if emboldening is a word, but you know what I mean, bringing each other courage, changing their community and representing Jesus, that's what we're about. And so I want you to see and understand what Genesis is about. That's it. It's about you. It's about me. It's not about going to church. It's about being the church. And I want to share this with you because I, I want to challenge you. Some of you might say, okay, I guess this isn't the place for me because I just want to go and hang out and drink iced tea later. Then, yeah, I, I don't want you to get comfortable. I don't want you to get lazy. I don't want you to be ineffective because if one part of the body hurts, we all hurt. If you're not 
doing your job as a, a follower of Jesus, then it's going to hurt someone else. But we are here to help you do your job. We're here to carry you if you need to be carried. And as I told you before, I'm not afraid of your problems. That's what we're here for. Say, I'm going through this. I'm dealing with this. I, I, I'm having struggles. I've been so blessed with the people who have come to me and said, I need to talk to you. I've got this going on in my life. And they share a sin with me that's going on in their life. And, and they're, you know, of course, they just feel ashamed. They feel dejected. And I'm feeling very humbled that you would come to me and share your weakness with me because you want help and that I get to be a part of helping you. I'm humbled by that. That's what I want to do. That's what we need to do. I'm sorry. I'm getting emotional. But I would rather see the real you and help the real you be stronger than play the Christian game, than play church. I don't want to play church. I want to be the church. I want to be the body of Christ. I want to help one another because you know what? I need help too. And I've got people around me that encourage me, that help me to not grow faint, not grow weary, not get frustrated, not get dejected. And I need it just like you do. We are the church. And I encourage you. In your bulletin, there is a blank piece of paper. It wasn't because it didn't print on it. It's there because I want to hear from you. What you would like to do. What you would like to see happen. I, I want to see your vision. I want to hear your hearts. And if you're good with computers, we could use help with computers. If you play music, you sing, we'd like to hear your voice. I'm not going to say we're going to let you sing until we hear your voice. <laughs> Done that before. <laughs> God gave me this song. <laughs> I want to hear from you, and I want to know what things you would like to do. And maybe it's not even something that's happening yet. You know, it doesn't have to be in children's ministry, ushers, music, audio, visual. Maybe it's something we're not doing. Maybe, yeah, I, I want to bring food and take food to the homeless. Well, great, as we're establishing this means of doing that, your name is now on the list. So I want to hear what your vision is. I'd like to have your name and phone number and even email so that we can contact you. And as you fill those things out, you can drop them in the bucket in the back and we're going to go through them. We're going to pray over them. We can do what we can do. You know, if you've got a, a huge vision, I don't want to squash it, you know. But if it's bigger than we're able to handle, then, you know, we'll pray for it. We'll, we'll encourage you in it and we'll see what we can do. But how great to have a goal that's bigger than us that we move forward to. I mean, I've been so blessed hearing just the things that are going on with Colleen and ministering to the homeless. They've got another church that they're actually opening up and, and is being used down in Ontario to help out with the homeless. I think, how cool is that? How cool is that? It's not like another church. There's another church helping us. Well, you know, you go to this church. What is the church? Exactly. You see, and that changes everything. It changes everything. If you see things the right way. And so, take these pieces of paper. Pray. If God is putting something on your heart that you would like to do and be involved in, put your name, put what it is briefly. Your phone number, if you have email, you can put your email address and it's going to just be one of our ways of trying to organize this army so that we can encourage one another. 
change this world and effectively represent Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. God, it's so exciting to be a part of what you do. And Lord, if you are not at work, then there's no point in gathering together. There's no point in meeting if you're not working in and through us. And so, Lord, we come here asking you to work within us, asking that you would open our hearts, enlarge them, so that we would care about people. Open our eyes so that we could see what our purpose is, what we can do. Maybe it's just to come alongside, just to be a part of a group, to make someone feel welcome and, and at home and comfortable when they go to a meeting where we gather together to study. Open our eyes to see, God, there are, are things you want to do and how you want to see your church that we haven't even thought of. God, help us to see our part and do what you desire and have put in our hearts to do. And we pray, Lord, that there would be a unity among us, that you would establish our hearts, you'd give us love for one another and for those around us, that it would mark us as your followers. And God, we ask that you would give us upland that you'd give us Rancho Cucamonga, you'd give us Fontana, Etiwanda, Altaloma, wherever we live, we want that city. We want to make others part of your church. Thank you, God, for giving us eyes and vision beyond ourselves. Help us, Lord. Give us power to take this good news to the ends of the earth, Lord. We do ask it in Jesus' name.